0: Did Avril die? Was she replaced by a doppelganger? I'm Joanne McNally, and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Lavigne? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is a CBC Podcast.
0: This podcast is an extended version of The Debaters, which may contain more mature themes. To stream the radio-friendly version of this episode, download the CBC Listen app or go to cbc.ca slash thedebaters. And thanks for listening to the CBC.
1: Hey, Canada! We're here to boast from the coast, from Canada's east coast, in Nova Scotia, it's The debater. <laughs> the Debaters, where comedians fight with facts and funny, and this audience picks the winner. Now here's the host who brings the most to the coast, Steve!
2: Hey! Thanks, Graham! Hello, Canada! Welcome back to The Debaters. It is great to be back here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Yep. A city that boasts many of Canada's firsts. True. It's the home of Canada's first newspaper, the Halifax Gazette. It is also the home of Canada's first law school, which was convenient because this city was also the site of the first divorce in Canada. (laughs) It's cure related. It happened on May 15th, 1750. Then news of the divorce was promptly reported on the front page of the Halifax Gazette. (laughs) Now, let's meet two debaters who are good news for comedy. This comedian was able to collect wool through sheer determination. It's PEI's Patrick Ledwell. Patrick, come on up, there he is. Uh, he is a debating vision, taking his place to my left. And this comic thinks when it comes to women's footwear, time wounds all heels. It's Toronto's Noor Hadidi. Noor Hadidi, there she is. Welcome back George. Thank you. Hi, Steve. Hello. Debaters, your topic is a celebration of bliss. Weddings. Are smaller ones superior to bigger ones? I don't know. Let's find out. As someone who got married 12 years ago, I've had quite a bit of time to rethink how it could have gone. And I now think that wedding presents should be opened at the reception. It would be way more fun to watch the couple stare down the people who stuffed an envelope with 30 bucks in Tim Horton's gift certificates (laughs) or open that fourth air fryer than to watch them do a choreographed TikTok dance. And I could have asked why no one got me the silver gravy boat I asked for from our registry at the bay because I like to look classy when I'm drinking gravy. Anyway... Time for a debate that we vow will be hilarious. So, whereas the bigger the guest list, the bigger the party, be it resolved that big weddings are superior to small weddings. Patrick, you are arguing for this, please. You have two minutes. Starting now, Patrick Ledwell.
3: Thank you, Steve. My wife and I have been married for 17 years. Thank you. We know that a big wedding keeps you together like a mortgage or a child. (laughs) Marriage is no walk in the park. When couples plan a small wedding, that's what it sounds like. A literal walk in the park. (laughs) Oh, we're just gonna invite our closest friends and of course our golden doodles. (laughs) And then Amber will share her spoken word poetry. Then we'll have some avocado finger sandwiches and call it a day. That's a picnic. And it's no proper stress test of your chosen person in life. Plan a big wedding together and you will learn whether you each have what it takes to go the distance. Want to find out right away about unresolved tensions? (laughs) Organize a seating charge of your families. Maybe the gender fluid cousin shouldn't be seated near the Merlot fluid auntie. (laughs) A big fat wedding teaches you to hope together for perfection and then be totally detached together from the outcome. <laughs> you plan for months on the smallest imagined details, and your mother works endlessly to create a parting gift for each table, a tiny mason jar with homemade red pepper jelly <laughs> tied with a golden ribbon. <laughs> True story. <laughs> And then, just hours later, as Beyoncé sings Bootylicious in the background, you'll see your uncle staggering towards a taxi, eating jelly with his hands, (laughs) then smashing the little jar in the parking lot. If you can't handle that, I don't think you're ready for this jelly. (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs>
2: Patrick Ledwell, with a big opening argument on why big weddings are better than small weddings. Now, here to tell us why she thinks that the idea of a smaller wedding has a nice little ring to it.
5: Let's welcome Nora Didi. <laughs> Oh, my God. Thank you so much, Steve. Um, People of Halifax, I'm here to tell you that I'm actually an authority on this matter uh, because I'm Arab. Yeah, I've been, yes, I've been to countless weddings. I've been to more weddings than there are bars in Halifax. All right? And that's 1,600 by my count. Big weddings are a cattle call, okay? Patrick here, he's from the East Coast where everything is quaint. The population of PEI is 156,000 people. That's just one side of an Arab wedding. <laughs> Small weddings are fun, you know? You get to dance with people you like, that you know by name. And get this, couples who spend less than $10,000 on the wedding are less likely to get divorced. That's true, yeah. You know, Johnny Cochran once said, if the glove fits, you must acquit. (laughs) And in that spirit, I say, with a small wedding, there ain't no regretting. I'm a millennial, okay? My generation has seen a -a once-in-a-lifetime recession three times already. (laughs) We can't plan a big future because we don't know if we'll have one. What if someone can't afford a big wedding, you know? Not all of us are rich, out-of-touch millionaires like Steve Patterson. (laughs) How dare you, Patrick, how dare you suggest that small and affordable weddings are inferior. Shame on you and Steve and the rest of the 1%. Yes. And so I say to you, people of Nova Scotia, what many women in the audience already know, bigger does not mean better. The only time I want to hear a man say, I do, is when I ask him if I should win this debate. (laughs)
2: Nor Hadidi, everybody. Nor Hadidi, on behalf of Small Weddings, it's time now for the Bare Knuckle Round. We're debating whether people say, I do choose bigger weddings over smaller. So take bride in your work. And don't alter the material you've groomed for this very special occasion. The key to victory? Your guest list is as good as mine. Just use some jokes that are old, some that are new, some that are borrowed, but not blue. Hopefully the audience gives you both a warm reception, starting now.
3: No, I don't know why you're so against people feeling special. Everybody deserves, for one day, to feel like one in a million. I know bigger is, does not always mean better. I know that, personally. But, uh, it's... it's <laughs> <laughs> but in, in life, do you want to travel with a partner who's like, let's have everyday chicken with whatever salad on the side. Oh, great, we're not going to do anything big and special? Oh, I'm not even going to shower today. We're together forever, aren't we? Let's make it small and quick and no cleanup whatsoever. You know? No big deal.
5: Is that who you want to be with? All right. Here's the thing. Um, Number one, just because someone doesn't shower doesn't make them lazy, okay? Some of us have clinical depression. All right? That's number one. Okay? Yeah. Also, here's the other thing. If we have a big wedding, I know he's going to make me do all the work. Right. So what do, I, what do I want? Do I want to have a, a small, fun wedding where I do no work or a big, large, impersonal wedding where I do all the work?
0: Thank you.
3: Yeah, Patrick. You try pinning corsages on six best men who can't even stand up from drinking the <laughs> night before. It is not easy.
5: You know what? I have a big problem with that avocado finger sandwich line that you had, okay? Just because a wedding is small doesn't mean the food's going to be bad. And also, you guys are always on us for having avocado toast, okay? Make up your mind, Patrick.
3: (laughs) Okay, generationally, I can understand that certain commitments are difficult for millennials, like a big deposit on a hall or agreeing to be in a place on a certain day. You've agreed to be... I have timism. I have clock anxiety. Whatever.
2: That's the bare-knuckle round, everybody. (laughs) It is time now for the firing line. In my hand, I have a list of questions on big weddings versus small weddings brought to you by mid-size weddings. (laughs) Mid-size weddings for those who want to get married the way the relationship started, in the backseat of a Toyota Camry. (laughs) Relationship expert Dr. Jane Greer says that when choosing between a big wedding or a small wedding, the deciding factor for many couples is what?
5: Nora. If they've recently come into an inheritance.
2: (laughs) Good answer. Two points from the Neptune Theatre crowd. Patrick Ledwell.
3: The deciding factor is how many of those wedding chair covers are available at the hall? None of
2: these answers seem made up from you. Seem like you've I lived just went to our the... wedding album and
5: looked at the pictures. <laughs> Must be nice to have someone love you.
4: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no.
2: According to Dr. Jane Greer, the deciding factor for many couples is pressure from their parents. Oh. It happens. I don't, not anybody here, but. <laughs> Brides.com lists three types of smaller weddings. Tiny, 15 people or less. Small, less than 50 people. And what else? Patrick. Executive. It's just the bride. <laughs> One point.
5: Nor had eating. Viva Las Vegas. Me, you, and Elvis, baby.
2: I like that. I like that. Well delivered. Uh, an intimate wedding is between 50 and 75 people. That's according to Brides.com. <laughs> it's written by a bride, for sure. Executive. <laughs> yeah, executive. In June 2014, a mass wedding ceremony in Toronto was the first of its kind to do what?
3: Patrick Ledwell? It was a mass wedding marrying all the Leafs fans standing in Maple Leaf Square. <laughs> One more promise that let them all down. <laughs> oh, it's not what
2: I have here, but it's a good answer. <laughs> a mass wedding ceremony in Toronto was the first of its kind to marry more than 100 LGBTQ2 couples all at once. Mass wedding. Applauding. <laughs> Imagine the limo. Huge. In ancient Roman ceremonies, a cake was broken over the bride's head. Then the groom would eat the crumbs off the floor. This was supposed to symbolize what? Nor? The patriarchy. (laughs) All right. Three
3: points. Patrick? This ain't gonna be no picnic. To give you a
2: point for that. Uh, it was supposed to symbolize sharing. <laughs> Ancient Romans weren't, weren't great at sharing. That's the firing line, everybody. This has been a great one, a close one. Big weddings versus small weddings and it's almost time for our Neptune Theater audience to place their votes here in Halifax. But first, here to remind us that good things can come in small packages, let's hear again from Noor Hadidi.
5: Thank you. I'm just going to say it. Wedding traditions are patriarchal constructs designed by evil men like Patrick to put smart, capable women like me in their place. And to that I say no more. Halifax, when I say no, I want you to say more, okay? No! Heteronormative stereotypes! No! passing of a woman from her father's authority to her husband's and most importantly no More. TLC's yes to the dress
0: <laughs> right
5: I, I can't I can't watch at another bride say she wants to feel like a princess you're not a princess Bridget you're an accountant at Rogers <laughs> all right people of Halifax speak now or forever hold your peace
2: Noor Hadidi, everybody. Noor Hadidi, telling us what we need no more of, but we would like more Noor. Now, here to tell us why he thinks bigger weddings are better, by and large, let's hear from the big man from PEI, Patrick Ledwell.
3: Thank you very much. You receive many gifts at your big wedding from people who don't know you at all. I remember opening one present. There was four little yarn pockets in a box. I didn't know what they were. (laughs) You obviously could guess right away. They're Acadian hand-hooked doorknob covers. (laughs) There was a point in my life when popping out for half a dozen knob covers... would have meant something radically different. Nowadays, with our doorknobs securely covered in woolly Acadian handcraft, I can't really even open the front door. Why would I ever want to leave? We had a big wedding and now life is perfect. Thank you, Halifax.
2: Patrick Ledwell <laughs> on behalf of Big Weddings, <laughs> it is up to you, Halifax, to decide who wins this one. By applause, who liked Noor's small-scale wedding wording the most? Noor Hadidi. It's a big amount of people with the small weddings, And who agreed with Patrick that anyone who doesn't prefer bigger weddings are divorced from reality? Patrick Ledwell. Give this one to Patrick Ledwell. Big weddings over small weddings. Big hand for Patrick Ledwell and Noor Hadidi, everybody.
0: You're listening to the debaters on CBC Radio One. Wanna be a part of the debating action? For upcoming tour dates, visit cbc.ca slash the debaters. Hi, I'm Ali Hassan,
2: host of CBC's Laugh Out Loud. Do you like to laugh? Because we're serving up big laughs each week. We feature comedians from across Canada. You might already be fans of some of them, and others might be new discoveries. We record emerging comedians and established pros in front of live audiences all across the country, and we promise that you'll be literally laughing out loud. You can find Laugh Out Loud on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to meet your next pair of debaters? Listen to that crowd, Canada. That's Halifax. This comic lets her fists do the talking only while playing rock, paper, scissors. It's Sackville, Nova Scotia's Nikki Payne. Nikki Payne is coming out swinging, literally. She is working the heavy bag. She is riling up the crowd in Halifax. Terrifying. Hello, language. Patterson! Hello! <laughs> Hello, Nikki. I am frightened, and I would not want to be debating you. Good. Let's see who we've got. This comic needs to be walked through how to operate a turnstile. It's Brassac, Quebec's Derek's again! Oh! Derek again! There he is! They love him out here in Nova Scotia. Hey! Welcome, my friend. Bonjour, Steve. This topic is one that will teach us a thing or two. Going back to school in the fall, is it the best time of the year for parents? (laughs) I'll be very honest the best thing about school for me were the fire drills. (laughs) You never knew when they were coming, but all of a sudden you were out of the classroom. Horsing around with your buddies on the sidewalk or messing with the teacher's head count by scattering into the surrounding woods. (laughs) While the remaining students heckled the confused teacher. Yeah, math is hard, isn't it, Mrs. Jensen? (laughs) Now it's time for a debate that is not a drill. So, whereas it's a time of celebration for parents across the globe, be it resolved that back to school season is the most wonderful time of the year. Derek Sega. Not surprisingly You're arguing for this You have two minutes Starting now Derek Sega. Thank
1: you Thank you Back to school The only reason uh, People even have children And we parents Don't even mind That there are huge expense Involved with it We just spent a whole summer With these soul-sucking Money grubbers Whatever the price to get them out of our house, it's a bargain compared to the family trip to Disney World. (laughs) But that's what we parents are expected to do. Fill up summer with uh, activities for the children. (laughs) All that crap. (laughs) And COVID, COVID turned summer vacation into a never-ending family time from hell. (laughs) Six months was way too much time to spend with these little Smart boxes. (laughs) Like, I I need my kid to go to school just so I can love them again. Listen, I'm a comedian. I only work like five hours a week. I always spend most of my time at home. And from September to June, I spend it there by myself. Those two months with this stupid kid at home, I'm stuck there these needy little jerk stars. And they're so judgy, two kids are so judgy. When my daughter finished school last year, on day two of her summer vacation, she came up to me, she's like, Dad, it's 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. Are you gonna put on pants at any point? <laughs> and I was like, oh, all Tuesday at two o'clock. You mean when I used to be able to do naked yoga in the dining room? <laughs> yeah, we're all making sacrifices here, kid. Summer vacation, it's the worst. Back to school saves lives. (laughs) And I'll let you guys decide whose lives it's saving. Thank you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Derek Seguin says back to school is the greatest time of the year and so many other things. (laughs) Now, here to report to us why she thinks back to school season is an epic fail. Let's hear from the successful story of Sackville, Nicky Payne!
4: Children are psychotic! <laughs> I get it, parents love back to school. They can drop their villainous spawn off on someone else for a few hours. You made them! <laughs> Why should teachers and school staff suffer because you didn't want to go back to shoppers for condoms after the Luke Bryan concert ten years ago? The little derelicts don't take care of their supplies so you gotta buy all new. And then they have the audacity to outgrow all their clothes. <laughs> How about instead of back to school, we just hand a bunch of money over to the little succubi themselves and let them burn it with fire. <laughs> oh, and if the human larvae are good at school, that just means you get to pay way more money. <laughs> back to grad school, make you wish you would let like a kid eat a few more pink chips back in the day. <laughs> I grew up with a cleft lip, one boob, and a mullet. school back to getting my arse kicked on the regular. (laughs) Welcome back. Oh, there's Boop Mullet. Get her! (laughs) Nowadays, I'm a mature student at Mount Allison University. Go Mounties! My fellow students could have come out of my vagina. I can say vagina, it's science. Quirks and quarks. Back to school makes me think my tuition could have been better spent on a facelift. Oh, don't fool yourself into thinking back to school is some <laughs> hip, happy day. <laughs> it's the end of sunshine, frolicking, and merriment, and the beginning of 10 months of torment. Back to school, back to hell. Mm.
2: <laughs> Nikki Payne, making no two bones about it. Back to school is not for her. (laughs) Thank you, Nikki. Let's get into this. It is time now for the Bare Knuckle Round. We're debating whether back to school rules, so consider this bitter and protracted argument a teachable moment. As you get the lead out and state your pencil case, mix jokes in with your logic to make the grade, and take your opponent to school now. now i
1: feel bad everybody we all knew about the cleft palate and the mullet but one boob oh, poor nikki
4: i don't know what i did in my past life but it was horrible <laughs> yeah. i don't even know why
1: why am i debating nikki right now it's about parents the thing says parents don't like her. i should be debating nikki's parents right now
4: if they wanted me to go back to school so bad why didn't they pay for my tuition when I was actually a right age to go to school
1: I don't well, know the answer to that probably something to do with your personality though I'm thinking
4: <laughs> <laughs> look I think we're all getting a little uncomfortable with the sexual tension between the two <laughs> okay <all right. laughs> that's the bare knuckle It is time now
2: for The Firing Line. In my hand, I have a list of questions about back-to-school season brought to you by Locker Combinations. (laughs) School Locker Combinations. The only numbers I ever got in high school. (laughs) Harvard Medical School psychiatrist Dr. Neha Chowdhury says to prepare children mentally for back-to-school, parents should do what? Nikki. Shove
4: them in a locker and take their lunch. (laughs) It's, it's untraditional, but maybe.
1: Derek's again. I think they should get them working in a sweatshop.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stay in school, kids. Otherwise. Uh, no, uh, Dr. Chowdhury says to prepare children mentally for back to school, you should have a family meeting to address any fears the children may have. <laughs>
4: Well, Nicky, you have a mullet and one bird.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What are you so afraid of?
4: (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: According to Reader's Digest, why does the school year start in September instead of January? Derek.
1: Uh, Parents are way too hungover after the holidays to get organized.
4: (laughs) Good, true answer. Nikki Payne. And none of them want to go on vacation in November. Right. Do the math, people!
2: You know what? For the remainder of this debate, I'm gonna recommend that uh, no one make direct eye contact with Nikki or, or any sudden movements, all right? It's, For our own safety.
4: It's fine, I wear readers, I can't see any. <laughs>
2: According to Reader's Digest, the school year starts in September instead of January because in the past, rural children needed to help on the farm in spring and summer. That you would know if you read more Reader's Digest. (laughs) On iHeart.com's 10 best songs for going back to school, which song comes in at number one?
4: Nikki. Highway to Hell. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Two points. Derek, again? More uh,
1: tiptoe
2: through the tulips. <laughs>
1: Whimsical music. Like that.
2: That's incorrect, Derek. <laughs> 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 the number one song for going back to school: Another Brick in the Wall by Pink Floyd. Oh. Mm. According to BestLifeOnline.com, what is the biggest back-to-school mistake that parents are always making? Nikki. Having children. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of applause from people here without their children, and a couple people with them.
1: Derek. Now the biggest mistake is renting out their rooms as soon as they leave for school
2: on day one. <laughs> They're coming back. You didn't know. They come back. <laughs> that sounded like a personal story right there. Oopsie. <laughs> Uh, the number one mistake that parents make is they don't make their children read over the summer. Read over the summer.
4: Wow.
2: Good talk. That's the firing line, everybody. (laughs) It is nearly time for our Neptune Theater audience to pick a winner. But first, here again with a new school of thought about why she considers back to school nothing more than another class struggle. Let's hear again from Nikki Payne.
4: Children are filthy! <laughs> yeah, sure, send them back to school, just what our overburdened healthcare system needs. A bunch of feral petri dishes mixing infections and slobbering all over Nana at the nursing home. <laughs> Is nothing but a harbinger of doom. <laughs> the death rattle of summer. <laughs> Pumpkin spices lurking around the corner. <laughs> With fun-sized Halloween candy. And your in-laws wanting to know if you're coming to Christmas this year! <laughs> But no more back to school.
2: <laughs> Nikki Payne is not down with back to school time of year. Thank you, Nikki. Now, here to tell us why he gives the subject of back to school season an A plus. Let's hear again from Derek Sagan.
1: Thank you. We send our kids to school to learn social skills, to get educated, to meet people their own age, to perfect their manners, to prepare for life, and all that crap. (laughs) Also, we need them to leave the house so that we can now snoop around in their rooms to know what's going on in their lives and read their (laughs) diaries and things like that. There's a four-year gap in a child's life where they barely talk to the parents at all. And it's kind of a bittersweet thing, actually, because my youngest daughter just started talking to me again. And uh, I'll tell you, she is boring. I do not care that Ashley said Dylan is cute, but she's dating Madison. Oh God, so gross. Also, sometime when you're snooping around in their room, you find drugs, free drugs. No back to school, no snooping, no free drugs. In fact, let me just take this time to personally thank all the teachers out there. Uh, You really are doing such important work in our society. Like, I can't imagine how full the orphanages would be (laughs) were it not for back to school. So thank you so much. (laughs) Cheers, good night.
2: Derek, say on why he thinks back to school is the best time of year. Audience, it is up to you to pick a winner. By applause, who agrees that Derek's back to school backings put him at the top of the class? Derek Sagan. (laughs) He's reveling in it. He's reveling in the reverie. And who thinks that Nikki's in-depth examination of why back-to-school sucks will be studied for years to come? Nikki Payne! Oh my goodness! Nikki Payne riding a wave of support. A well-thought debate on both sides, but I gotta give this one to Nikki Boob Mullet Payne, down with back-to-school. Big hand for Nikki Payne and Derek, say again, yeah, everybody. Well, that's all for this week. I'm Steve Patterson saying on behalf of all parents with kids in grade school, thank you from the bottom of our hearts, teachers, and good luck. I'll argue with you again soon. Canada, good night.
0: The Debaters is created by Richard Side. This week's episode was produced by Josh Bailey, Graham Clark, Chloe Edbrook, and Nicole Callender. With continuity by Graham Clark, Diana Francis, and Gary Jones. Technical production by Pat Martin and Larry Walker. Story editing by Gary Jones. With special thanks to Katie Ellen Humphreys and David Pride. Executive producer of CBC Radio Comedy is Lee Pitts. And thanks to everyone at the Neptune Theatre in Halifax. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.